for me to separate myself and not be like others and separate myself from the pack of like all the professional baseball players I was with, I got to do something different than what all these other guys are doing. And it wanted to, it wanted to fucking take me, you know, it wanted to take me down a different path where baseball was my fucking, was my savior, man. I was driving home and I had to stop. I was like, you know what? I'm going to drive this fucking car off this fucking bridge, man. Or off this fucking overpass right now. I don't give a fuck. Like, this shit's fucking hard. Baseball's fucking hard. Welcome to the Outliers Podcast, where we dissect the paths of the 1%. Professional does not mean perfect. And this is our conversation with Chris Davinsky, also known as that dude, Devo. Devo is a 13-year MLB vet, born and raised in Southern California. In 2017... Devo won a World Series with the Houston Astros and was also named an All-Star in 2017 as well. All I can say is this motherfucker had a crazy story and it was awesome. Uh, I, I have so much more respect to this, for this dude. I don't even know where to start, honestly. So we're just going to let him tell the story. Uh, Chip, how can you best summarize our talk with Devo? I think anybody that listens to it will, one, uh, enjoy his story, and two, um, understand that just because they pitched in the big leagues, went to the World Series, All-Star Game, there's a lot of things that go down prior to that. And as long as young athletes understand, their stories are going to be a little bit different, but as long as they stick with those tough times, if it's something that they really want, they just got to keep going, and if they do, then there's potential to do what he's done up to this point and hopefully moving into the future. So much respect for this dude. I hope you take at least one nugget, at least one, from our conversation with Devo. Enjoy. <laughs> San Diego is um, man. There's a lot of history, you know, a lot of history in San Diego for me. Um, I spent a lot of time in San Diego uh, prior off seasons. Um, for some reason, early in my career, I I I've, I met some people in San Diego that I feel like touched my life in a certain way, or I wouldn't say touched my life, but could lend me a hand in certain situations and there was a goal of uh, so I, I I would drive from Los Angeles where I grew up at to San Diego back and forth every day which for me it's pretty long ass drive right like and but with that drive there was like dedication like you know, and, a, and a commitment right because when I looked at driving back to San Diego and LA every day I, I saw that as something that other people did not want to do and by me doing that I would think like in my mind like okay if 
for me to separate myself and not be like others and separate myself from the pack of like all the professional baseball players I was with, I got to do something different than what all these other guys are doing to get to where I want to go. And at that time, I want to get to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal. Was at, at the time, my, my overall goal was not just to get to the big leagues, but stay in the big leagues, right? And like have a successful career and provide for my family and do this and do that. And so I came across a pitching coach. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a, a pitching coach, but his name is Dominic Johnson, okay? A lot of guys in the baseball world know him. A lot of guys work out with him. Great man, you know, done a lot for me in my career. Uh, I owe a lot of credit to him in my career for things. And uh, our relationship is, is fantastic. So I was on this team early on in my career, probably college, college level where I went down there, I'm throwing, pitching, and someone was like, hey, this man's a scout. And I go, okay, cool. Like, I need scouts. I felt like at where I was at in my career to get, uh, to get exposure, get seen, to make it to where I wanted to make it. And um, the coach gave me his number. He goes, hey, give him a call, work with him. So I was calling this guy, and I think I've mentioned this before too. And, you know, I was like trying to get in touch with him. You know, he was a pitching coach, also slash scout, and – no, no answer, no, no nothing. <laughs> like, so I kind of left it in the rear view. Like, I'm like, whatever. I went to Fullerton at the time, did my thing at Fullerton, got drafted by the White Sox in the 25th round. Played rookie ball with the White Sox. Came back that offseason. I had another buddy who was from L.A. who would, would go down to San Diego. He said, hey, we're going down to San Diego to, to throw. Uh, Jamie Moyer is going to be there. And everyone, you know, at the time, Jamie Moyer for me was like, that was a big name who was a, was a pitcher. And I'm like, okay. I want to be a major leaguer, I better be around major leaguers, right? Like, I better learn something from them or pick something up from them. So we go down there, and it's Dominic Johnson, pitching coach slash scout, which I thought in my mind was. And now he's a friend and a mentor and, and all that for me. And I go, hey, man, I was calling you about a year ago, this and that. He goes, oh, yeah, well, you got the, your numbers wrong. You know, it was like the six and nine in his area or in his phone was was, was off. What were those numbers? <laughs> Big six nine, right? <laughs> Dinner for two. My favorite positions, right? <laughs> so, anyways, that's a lot of <laughs> edit that one. But so, anyways, from that point, we we clicked, you know, and and I started working out with him, started training with him. He's a great pitching coach. His father was a, a major leaguer, Darren Johnson, for all these years. And, you know, I just learned so much from him. From He's a baseball mind. He knows pitching. He's got connections with everybody. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my time to going down to San Diego, working with him. We did a, a Gus Heflin training program, which there's some people in the baseball world that know about Gus Heflin and the martial arts training program he did. And that is a training program that – I mean, I don't know many guys that have done it, but by me doing that and the group of guys that I worked with that did it, like it, it makes you mentally tough. You got to be able to, you got to be able to to do this program and it's like forty minutes nonstop calisthenics. But there's a lot of discipline involved in it, where you got to be aware of what your body's doing. You got to be aware of stopping, going. You know, it's just all it, it builds this type of discipline and awareness in your in your mind and your body where you know you're you're at sync with your body and you're one and that was my thing man i just 
you know, would, would grind back and forth to San Diego and then, you know, made my way throughout my career, made some money for myself, was able to stay in the off seasons where I didn't have to grind no more. But those first couple of years going to him, that was just a grind. And that was my grind where I, if I stuck with it and I applied myself and I was dedicated to it because it was hard driving every day, coming back and forth, you know, like waking up early in the morning, some days to be there early, you know, even late at night sometimes. And, you know, at the same time, helping my pops back home and, and this and that. And then, you know, one other thing I can add to San Diego is a lot of fun. You know, mm -hmm. I love that city. I love everything about it. Uh, I had good friendships there. Um, I had a girlfriend there, you know, and just a beautiful city. You know, I love the water. And eventually one day that's where I'd like to, to live at. So that's probably kind of sums it up a little bit about San Diego. Damn. Yeah, a lot of hard work. Yeah. In San Diego. So what? So what exactly is the time frame? So you were at Fullerton. Yeah. This is uh, what year were you in? So I went to junior college right out of high school. So it was 08, 09, 2010 at the junior college, and I was a shortstop slash two way player at at Golden West Junior College. And what happened was I was going. It was it was so funny what happened. I was going out for a visit to go to North Dakota State. I was going to try to be a two-way player my junior year. They were interested in me. And right before the visit, my coach, Burt Villarreal, uh, another great man who freaking took me under his wing, gave me so much guidance and, and, and help in my career at the time, and we still are in communication to this day. Big Angel fan, by the way, too. And so I just signed with the Angels. So um, he comes up to me. I'm taking ground balls at shortstop one day, and he's like, hey, you, you want to play at Fullerton next year? I go, well, hell yeah, I want to play at Fullerton. I mean, that was a school my dad took me to go watch games at when I was a kid, you know, freaking David Bacante, all these guys. Uh, Kurt Suzuki was there, all these guys I idolized as, as a young kid. And I still can't remember to this day where um, I got a baseball from a guy from Long Beach State. And it's funny because Long Beach State dirtbags, that's kind of what I represent as a baseball player, you know, hard nose leave everything out on the field, give everything I have. That's the type of player I was when I was a, an infielder. And um, so 2011, I ended up going to Fullerton for a year. Um, went there as a two-way player, got converted to a pitcher only. Uh, 2011 was the time. So that season from 2010 to 2011 was I was on a pickup team in San Diego with a, um, a man named uh, Doug Baker. And he just put all these misfits together, and we were just playing, you know, Sunday, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday games in San Diego at random high schools, colleges, and somehow I got looked at, found Dom, did my thing at Fullerton the next year, did enough to show to, to be able to get drafted. Damn, dude, that's incredible. Big difference, North Dakota State to Fullerton. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, the, I was, the next day I was going to take a trip out to go visit North Dakota, and I, you know, I had to tell him, like, hey, you know, Fullerton came knocking, and, uh, yeah, man, I went to, it was like a little workout we had, and I was hitting, and I remember Serrano coming up, hey, do you want to, you know, you want to come and, uh, you know, come here next year? Yeah, sure, you know, and then there was some stuff I had going on at Fullerton. I actually got in a car accident, pretty bad car accident when I was at Fullerton. I rolled my truck. Um, I can't remember the date of that. Sometime in, like, September, October, I got pit maneuvered on the highway. I was upside down, and. I remember I left a voicemail, a voicemail on my uh, my uh, assistant coach's phone, 
and like he still had that voicemail because I was like in shock or something. I, I know one time he like showed it to my pops or something because I caught him on the side of the road, man. I just flipped my truck. I'm not going to make it to practice kind of thing. And uh, I ended up going to practice and they're like, hey, you got to go, you know, make sure you get checked for a concussion or something. You know, I, like, I brushed it off. I didn't really care. You know, I was just trying to play ball with the dudes, you know. So. I mean, dude, you said you're like a dirtbag on the field, right? Yeah. You roll your truck on the freeway and the first thought was, fuck, I got to call my coach. Yeah, I don't, man. You know, you know, I don't want to, I'm going to miss practice. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to, you know, because it was like I, I was doing everything in my within me to to make that team you know and i knew i had to go there and i had to open up some eyes you know i was a junior college transfer again no love going to fullerton really you know you roll up and everyone was already boys and stuff and it was like and i you know i didn't really feel like anyone welcomed me in you know so i kind of was like i got to go out there and i got to prove it type thing and i got to show people what you know what i can bring and not not saying that like you know i'm i'm the best player in the world type of thing but you know i try to be the best I can be, you know, type of thing, you know, and things have worked out for me here and there and, you know, continue to grind and things, things do work out. PMA, I always try to live by PMA, positive mental attitude. I've, you go through my house, I had this notebook from a couple of years ago and I read through it every time. I just, I like to journal a lot. And on one of these pages I had wrote in it freaking big through across the whole page, this is PMA, positive mental attitude, you know, just to remind myself because there's a lot of times in my career I feel like I could have quit. I could have walked away, you know, and I and I didn't, and I continue to stick with it. And I think that is just the love that I have for this game. And as I get older, I really not not as I get older, but as the kind of journey I've been on over the last couple of years, like coming back from Tommy John, refinding who I am as a person, you know, and and what kind of ball player I am, things I believe in, and it's just you got to remind yourself that every day. You know, because this world is, this world's hard, man. It'll, it'll break you down, you know, kick your ass. And you got to be strong out here. So. How did, so you mentioned, you know, Juco is just fucking not the easiest route. Yeah. Know, for, for a lot of athletes. Um, how did that ultimately help you? Juco? Oh, man. So there's a funny story about the whole Juco thing. Like, Gar High School where... I went to high school at, I was a shortstop, you know, I, I really was, I really wanted to be, um, I used to watch videos when I was a kid, I used to go to this library, and I remember when MLB started putting these highlight videos of guys hitting home runs, and I was like, man, I want to be a freaking home run hitter in the freaking big leagues, like, that was my, that was my vision and dream for myself, like, but I was also blessed with being able to throw and pitch, I knew how to pitch, I had to fill the pitch, and I wanted to go to a college to be a shortstop. Gar High School filters into Cerritos Junior College. Uh, all the players that don't go D1 or anything, we didn't have many players go D1. I mean, we were kind of a small school. Um, so my father owns a moving company. He's doing a he's doing a moving job for, it's funny, he's a third base coach for Cerritos Junior College. All people, small world. And he goes, hey, what do you got about Davinsky coming to Cerritos next year? Nah, Davinsky, who's Davinsky? Like, don't even know who this guy is. Okay, that's fine. So, Art Lopez, who's a pitching coach at Golden West, comes around. He goes, hey, when you want to come to Golden West next year? I have you two-way player. I said, sure. Okay, why not? So, when I graduated high school, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I knew that I loved baseball. I knew that 
maybe I was good at it. I'm not not surely convinced that I had an opportunity to make this longer than what it's been or make it you know make it as long as where I'm at now. And my father never believed it either, but I watched those videos, man. I seen these power hitters. I'm like, well, that's what I want to do, man. That's what I want to do. So I got physicals for the first time at junior college, right? I, I missed the physicals, man. I was dating this chick back home in Santa Ana, girl named Shelby. I was messing around with her, and I freaking rode my bike from Cerritos, California to Santa Ana, California, and I missed the physical on my first day at junior college. That's a, a drive. That's probably about a 20-minute drive. <laughs> so I rode my bike there, right? Like. And I don't even know if I had a cell phone at the time. I might have had a little cell phone, and my pops was like, somehow the coach called my pops. Because pop, I wasn't answering the coach's call. I was like, fuck this. I don't want to go to junior college. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought I was supposed to go to a D1 or something. I'm like, fuck this. So I'm hanging out, and, you know, I was with, I was with some boys on the block, whatever. You know, I was into some stupid shit. We all are. And uh, <laughs> I, roll, I, I miss the physicals, but... I talked to him. I think he, he goes, hey, come on over here. So he's hey, next day, first practice. All right. I rolled up in jorts. I had jorts on. I don't know if anybody from that team can remember. I had jorts on and like a freak. I would look like a skater. I had like some kind of vans or something on. I rolled up into the dugout, right? And everyone's got their baseball gear on. They're like looking at me like, who the hell is this fucking kid, man? Like, who's this guy? And I'm like, I go in the back on the side, I put my baseball gear on, and I strap it up, man, and I get ready to go play. And um, the thing about junior college is you gotta you gotta compete, compete for your spot. Like, you gotta make that team. Like, and it was like, and and Bert, thank you very much for this for being a fucking hard ass at times. Like, because we were all fucking misfits, man. We had dudes who were from Huntington Beach who had their hands were registered as lethal weapons like dudes could fight guys rolling up with black eyes all the time one guy be there one day be gone the next day he'd be locked up one guy was coming in 20 23 year old coming right off the painter uh he was just painting a house trying to make it you know guys are trying to make it and and bert really you know I, took me under my wing and, and gave me a lot of guidance at the time not that my father didn't give me guidance which he did but i was rebellious against my father at that point in my i was like man like fuck you dude like i don't i'm gonna do what i want to do you know but then also in the back of my mind i knew baseball like some way baseball was a way out for me to get away from all this bullshit that i was kind of getting involved in and uh i kind of stuck with it man like it was like i at the time i was living <laughs> this was so soon my dad foreclosed on his house uh that we grew up in and i broke a back window uh, nobody was living there. I don't know how long it was foreclosed for, but I broke it back. Went off, stay there at night sometimes by myself. And I remember it was so funny. Years, like a year down the road when they actually like had to clean the house up. I don't know how long they foreclosed on it or how long it was vacant. My sister was like, yeah, there were squatters living in this house. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, no, I was fucking, I was fucking staying there. Because yeah. we, my God, dad yeah. got rid of the house. And then, you know, sometimes I'd stay there. And I was living, my dad had a little warehouse, little shop. I'd stay there with him. And then what what the ultimate theme was, was to get out of the city that I grew up in, with, uh, where we lived at. I had to get out of that city. Because that city, that environment was freaking, it was pulling me, man. It was just pulling me, and and it wanted it, it wanted it to fucking take me. You know, it wanted to take me down a different path. 
where baseball was my fucking was my savior man baseball and well you know god my family baseball freaking get me out of that shit man and you right yeah myself yeah and i I, mean so far what i've gathered from this is I, i took some notes here is with the san diego question i heard uh people that helped you people you learned from gave you guidance uh then you're talking about i believe it was bert who took all this this group of juco guys that were from all over all over the place right yeah that is and he was a hard ass and that's not to make this about myself but that is exactly what i needed going into college is i needed the coach to be a fucking hard ass yeah and kind of snapped me out of you know what my thought process was at the time and a good coach can take a group of 30 to 40, 18 to 23, 24. We had a, a guy that was, you know, 25, I believe, with a three-year-old kid. Uh, how do you take that age guy that already knows everything and get them all on the same page and compete together on the same uh, with the same mindset, right? Like, I can sacrifice a little bit here and there, off the field, they won't sacrifice. They're yeah. going to scrap and claw, but scrap and claw together on the field. Like that, a, a coach can, that can bring that together is something special. Yeah. But, you know, it takes a level of humility like you've shown. Like, yes, you put in all the work, but you had help along the way. Yeah. Right? And that's that's the that's the, one of the coolest things, I think, so far is that consistency and in, in how you've pointed that out. I think I think one day this was in junior college with Bert. Um, I remember one day like it was early on in the fall, and we used to run he, uh, where our school was. We had a good little like uh, square mile, maybe a little more, and he'd make us run the whole the whole block, and which was pretty freaking cool. I always took my running serious, right? Like all my all my physicality work and stuff. I take that I take that stuff serious because I think that taking care of your body that's going to in the long run that's going to it's going to play you're going to see how you finish your career if you're going to be able to or not you know you're going to look back and say well i took care of my body or i didn't right like but we had a couple guys cut it through a parking lot and he used to follow us on his atv but he was like he was hiding out one day like in a like in a little cut in the in the parking lot and he saw like two guys cut it right and we were like yo hey what are you guys cutting this for kind of thing so we all get back, right? We hear the ATV coming, boom, boom, boom. And what he did was right there, those two guys, you're out of here. Oh, he showed us right there. That that right there showed me like, hey, put your work in, take pride in it. If not, you're gone. So what am I going to do? If I don't have baseball, what am I going to do? I'm going to run back to Santa Ana. I'm going to run back to the fucking, you want to say streets or the environment I was around, whatever, right? Like, I, I don't want, I didn't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be a fool. I've been consumed by my environment. Like, no way. Like, there's got to be a better way out here. So, people have helped me. My family has helped me. Like, can't forget all that stuff, man. And there's, I remember somebody told me this when I got to the big leagues right away. He was like, never forget where you come from. And I, I ultimately don't. I know it's there, you know. Like, there's, there's even more of a backstory of all that shit, you know, even at a younger age that, and freaking like i don't know man it's just 
That's crazy shit. Yeah, like, I think, you know, you talking about that, I think a lot of people could relate to that, mm-hmm. right? So, where, you know, if you can, paint us a picture of what that looked like for you. Like, you know, you, you talk about at one point going back to the foreclosed house, breaking the back window and sleeping there. Like, what is, like, some of the lowest shit that you like? I'm, I'm never... I never want to feel like this I think again. one of the lowest shit ever is for me, and I was thinking about this yesterday when we were talking about this, is this was, this was besides the cockroaches in the house at times, like that's for me, that was that was turned normal, right? That was normal shit, right? And my dad's going to be like, so what, man? You know, that's what it is, right? So we get a lot of rain this one season in, in California. We had a tree come through our roof. Right, boom, boom. And I don't know why to this day my dad didn't repair the fucking roof. I don't know. I'm just living there with them, right? <laughs> so we get water coming into our, our bathroom, right? And we'd have to put our buckets here, right, to catch the leak. I mean, we had a heavy leak when it rained, heavy leak, maybe two or three buckets, right? So we'd have to be on the call to, to when we have to fill them up and go dump them outside. So my mom, hey, got to fucking dump them outside. They're full. So back and forth, back and forth, right? until it stopped raining or whatever. Now all that excess water that's not in the bucket that's falling on the ground, right? It's it's deteriorating the floor a little bit. So, and I don't even think it, it tore the electric down. There was no light in the bathroom, but we had like a little stand-up light that we had a little extension cord running to the bathroom, right? I remember, I shit you not, one day I walk, I turn this little corner and I can see into the bathroom and my sister is halfway down she fell through the fucking wood <laughs> in the bathroom and she said help me <laughs> got, and i was like it for me it was funny but at the time i didn't i was like yo that's is, is that normal like it's like because i knew other kids right like i see other kids they got this they got that like you know i don't think my my buddy next door is falling through a freaking his mom's not falling through a uh the roof you know now i knew i had another buddy who was they had other stuff going on right but i know when i was around him seeing what he had and what i had that we kind of we had that because not that we had everything we we, you know we had a little less which was fine it's no problem we we had a roof over our heads right but with a leak which is cool (laughs) but we still had a roof we still had a roof and that was my dad's thing you got a roof overhead you got food on the plate don't matter what kind of hey, you got it, and we were grateful for what we had. And then, and at the end of the day, like I'm thankful for for what I what I my journey, what I've been through, and taking a piss outside, not being able to piss in your own restroom. You got piss outside in the dark in the backyard, and then on top of it, coming home at times, you got people inside your tree stealing avocados, and your pops got to run them away, and then your neighbors' brothers gang banging. And they're all smoking dope right there as you're getting out of the car and you're coming home from school. Because I went to school 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes away from where I, um, where I live, where I live. So my pops had his business there, and uh, you know, going down to the store at times, and you know, you got cholos hanging out right here, and I'm scared shitless because I'm shit. I don't know what you know. My my dad go get four pieces of or go get four bolios. Bolios is a little Mexican bread for us so we could eat ham sandwiches and we got cholo standing on the block staring me down and i'm like you know 
I don't know what that is, but I'm like, you know, I'm kidding. I'm scared. Like, I'm, you know, I'm scared of these dudes. Like, they look big and old and buff or, you know, and they're, they got shaved heads. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to mind my business, skate down there. But they never mess with me, you know. They never mess with me. They never try to take me in, which was, I'm, that's a blessing because there's a lot of boys I grew up with that they got, they got put on right away. They got, they got clipped. Not, I want to say clip, but they got involved in the life, right? And, you know, and I didn't. So um, I don't know why. Blessing to God that I didn't. Thank God I didn't because that's a whole different story. I'm not, I'm not probably not sitting here today with you all, right? Like talking about baseball and sports and life, which is, which is fine. But, uh, you know, just it was all fun, though, you know. It was all fun and it, it was like – my pops throwing me in the back of his truck, which is illegal nowadays. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they'd kick his ass. You know, him breaking down on the side of the road and running out of gas in his truck, coming home from baseball games. He would have to sit in his truck. He had to warm it up for 30, 40 minutes. Everyone's gone. The lights are out at the park. You know, we're going to do extra hitting, you know, things like that. I just, you know, and my pops always tells me, like, when we did extra hitting, hitting and stuff, like, it was you that wanted to do it. And I, I never to this day, re like, remember – telling him that I wanted to, but I, I mean, I guess I did. So, but you know, he did push me at times, you know, he pushed, he pushed the shit out of me. And uh, I think that's why I was a little bit rebellious at times, but now I understand why, you know, I've, I've done, a, I've, I've been understanding why he's, he's, he did what he did. And, uh, I got to thank him, you know, from a lot of stuff and, uh, yeah, man, just, you know, Running around in the neighborhood, fighting all the time. That's you know that was basically that neighborhood. You had to fight to fight to survive. You know we wake up next door with my buddy and we play play body for about you know an hour before everyone else comes out. Just body blows. Hey, thirty seconds straight up. That's what it was. You know we had older kids that you know we had some bullies and guys who would come by and do try to do wrestling moves on us and knock us up. And then you know if you went to go run, you know they let you know. You know like no. Nah. If you want to be out here, you got to you gotta fight. You know, that's that's the neighborhood it was. And, uh, you know, a lot of skateboarding, a lot of, a lot of football, basketball, you know, stuff like that. All, all shit that kids do, right? Like, I don't see much kids doing it nowadays, you know, which I feel like that's missing a lot. But, you know, that kind of built the physicality of, you know, baseball for me. And we used to play this game. We had two garages connected and we called it Roadrunner where we'd uh, – have to run across the garage without getting hit by the ball. I mean, we had all kinds of balls. We had footballs, spike balls, golf balls, <laughs> wiffle balls, whatever ball we could get our ball hands balls. on, right? Like a ball. <laughs> Here, let me, like grenades, right? And fuck, dude, we would fucking just, I, I loved it though, because for me, I was dodging. I could dodge everybody. They didn't throw hard enough, but I, you know, and I would just smoke guys with all my buddies as they run. Throwing off. heat seek and fucking <laughs> missiles. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was, you know, I guess my sister falling down was like, you know, and then, you know, there was a point where like, you know, we'd shower at, you know, a gym or something. We'd get like a five day pass. And I was like, yeah. man, I don't want to, you know, that's no way to live. Right. You know, like, uh, I think that I can, can do better for myself and for my family. Yeah. And uh, you will. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Quite honestly, I'm from, you know, being from Southern California myself, like, that shit sounds like my shit. You know what I mean? The same way I grew up uh, with the fucking, all the roaches, the fucking rats, and all that shit, sleeping on the floor and shit. But with that, though, 
how does that change your mindset when things go wrong? Like just in general, like failure, perceived failure, or when things go wrong, how has that shaped the way you mentally approach it? Yeah, when th- I mean, I feel like when things go wrong, then, you know, when things go wrong, it's kind of like, like, is it ever really that bad? You know, it's because really, it's really not. It, it's it's like a story you tell yourself, right? Like, it's like uh, what you believe in, I think, you know? It's like when things go wrong, like, at times, like, you feel like I believe that that's where I should be at, you know? Or, like, am I not worthy of being a Major League Baseball player type thing, you know? Should I be doing what my pop's doing? Should I be breaking my back and working on a moving truck, you know? Like what makes me, what makes me this blessed to, you know, to have a, a great lifestyle that I have now kind of thing. I don't know if I'm going in the right direction with yeah. that. That's no, a, that's a, right. that's a tough question. That's a good question. Like how did you specifically react when you found out you had to have surgery? I don't, I don't feel like I reacted at all. I just felt like it was part of like, this is what I got to do. Like if I don't do this, then like. I'm done type thing. Like, Did you go through a period where, and I, I'm saying this, this is how yeah, I went through it too. And talking with a bunch of guys in here over the years, you know, I went through a period of just being super fucking pissed and then feeling sorry for myself. But for a lot of guys and for me specifically that I can speak for, like I had to go through that, feel sorry for myself for a minute get it out of the way and then fucking move on, you know, but, uh, if it's not dealt with then, or if like you, like that's the strongest response I've ever heard. And I fucking love it. Uh-huh. Right. But if guys don't deal with it early, yeah, it comes back later. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it, it is what it is. This is what we got to do. All right. Well, that's it. What the fuck we got to do. Tell yeah. me when and where, and let's do it. Yeah. Fucking surgery, man. Surgery's a bitch. Two it's of a them. process, huh? Two of them, man. I think I honestly should have had Tommy John before, while I had my bone chips. Like, and you want to come back to San Diego? I tore my ligament in San Diego, mm. of all places. That's a funny thing. Really? Against the Padres? No, it was in a bullpen. So I had my first surgery. I was coming back from that. And then I, I, I didn't know. Sh- I got released by Houston, right? Got released by Houston. Did my first bone chip surgery in L.A. Um, then I went to San Diego. I was building up. I was doing most of my rehab in Costa Mesa. I, was, I went to San Diego with my pitching guy, Dom. And, fuck, was throwing a bullpen, tore it. Fuck. So I was like, fuck, I, gotta, I, I just signed with the Diamondbacks, right? Mm-hmm. I got to make this team with the Diamondbacks. I went to spring training. I threw a fucking seven scoreless innings with a fucking torn ligament. Not even fucking, like, realizing that it was torn. I had no Jeez. fucking idea. Like, I didn't fucking know it was torn. I thought it was something fucking, I thought it was something was going on here mentally with me. I'm like, fuck, I can't think straight no more. Because, like, when I'm on and I, physically and my mind's working together, I attack guys. My shit feels good. I can get anybody out at any time because I believe in it. And, fuck, dude whole time had no idea my velo was like 90 92 when i made the team in the season and the, and the season started 
And then finally, I was like, there's something wrong, man. I need another MRI. And D-backs were like, yeah, Tommy John's on the table. And I was like, yeah, let's do Tommy John. Like, I just knew immediately that I needed Tommy John for some reason. Because where I was at mentally was such a fucking dark place. Like, it was brutal. Like, how do you mean? Like, it was brutal. Like, I was had some shit going on with my ex that was just... What year was this? This was um, 21. So spring training of 21 is when I made the when I made the D-backs team. Yeah. And uh, I actually went on the restricted list. I basically, I wanted to fucking retire. And I, I, I didn't know what option. I, dude, I was, it was, okay, we, we, I threw in a game in Colorado. Right? I threw in a game in Colorado. Gave up the lead. It was fucking, we ended up winning in extras. Matt Peacock got his first big league win that day. It was so crazy because I wore 47. He wore 47, and he got his first win. And I remember, like, the first time I got called up, I wore number 47. Like, it was tri- it was like a trippy theme going on in my mind at the time. And uh, so we're all celebrating in the clubhouse, and I'm drinking, having a beer. And I go, like, one beer to eight beers within, like, fucking 10 to 15 minutes. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And I wake up the next, and I'm fighting with my ex at the time. We're fighting over stupid shit. I'm in the hotel room, and um, fuck, I call up Dom from San Diego. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know if I got it anymore. I don't know what the fuck is going on with baseball. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing out there. I feel lost, man. I'm fucked up. Like, I'm all fucked up. And uh, I'm like, D, I want to retire. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna hang him up kind of thing not I didn't say hang him up because that's not me right like I'm not not that guy I'm not gonna quit like but let me go on the restricted list to figure shit out going on in my life right I had to sign the in MO and Major League Baseball we had to sign the fucking what is it it's like retirement papers but you just go on a restricted list so I met Ken Crenshaw from the D-backs and uh now there's something about Ken Crenshaw, man. Something about that, man. Like, his demeanor, his energy, his calmness. Like, like he, he helped me with my whole rehab, you know? And, like, it was it was freaking wild. Like, uh, we, we kind of came to terms to get Tommy John, you know? And Crank was there the whole time for me, you know? And a lot of other people with the D-backs, you know? D-backs freaking... They they helped me, man. Like, and I'm, I I honestly wish I was still with them, but I'm really really appreciative of what they've done. You know, there was a little bit of backlash at the end that I had a little collision with with my pitching coach, my ex pitching coach I had in Houston, but there's it's still love, man. It's still all love there. You know, and shit, we we had battles together in Houston, so I'll never forget that. But uh, yeah, surgery, man, rehab every day. That's just crazy. It's a process for sure. Can we I go? mean, I've got, I've heard good things about the D back staff like that, but yeah. that was like that's something the way you said it's something to buy into, man, and you, it, to respect, right? Yeah. Like it seems like it's like we've talked about before. They put themselves in the in the athlete's shoes. <clears throat> so you talked about how Dom, you called him that night, that shit wasn't wasn't right, like yeah. you, you, retirement. What did he say to you? Oh shit! I wish I remembered. I honestly, 
what he said to me, me knowing Dom probably was like, don't do it. I, I really don't remember. I probably, I, I, I probably didn't even hear him at this time where I was at mentally. Yeah, I was so, it was so, such a shitty place. Staying in a freaking hotel room in Colorado, looking out the window, like, what am, what am I doing? Like, what is, why, I can't pitch, man. Like, I can't get guys out the way I know how to get out. Like, my, what the hell is going on? I really can't remember what he said. It would be funny if, if <laughs> I should actually call him and be like, hey, do you remember me calling you? I don't even know if he would remember. I he, bet you he does. I guarantee I he, he does. does. Yeah, I do. I guarantee it. You called him because he knew he was, like, he was in your corner. It was You just wanted to hear a trusted voice. As yeah. much as what he had to say, you just wanted to hear him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then... He could have told you to go fuck yourself. You'd been like, yep, you're right. I'm going to go fuck myself <laughs> yeah. right now. And I'm going to fuck myself good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, that, you know, there was a lot of guys, too, around. Like, Because when you're on the restricted list, I, I mean, I guess that's kind of like a... I don't know if it's a big theme, but it's kind of like people worry about you when you go on the restricted list. Like, they don't know what's going on type of theme. You know, it's like, what's, everything's kind of hush-hush when you go on the restricted list. And then came off of that, came back, pitched in some games, and then TJ right away, basically after like three or four outings. But, uh, yeah, the restricted list was weird, too. It's like, you know, I was dealing with stuff with my ex, was trying to, you know, sort things out and we just we couldn't you know we couldn't sort things out and then from that point on like when i had tommy john she wasn't there for that that was kind of like going through this breakup kind of thing my sister came with me i uh, had uh tj with with keith meister in in dallas and he was freaking awesome and um i remember actually i remember this kind of a little bit being on these drugs like on the way back you know taking whatever you know coming out of surgery and um my, I was like, I, I, I'm not, I don't want this to sound like a prima donna, but, you know, I was like, the flight attendant, I was like, hey, man, I'm in a sling. Can I get, like, a pillow? Like, just to rest my arm? So, I guess he fucking, it's like, here's a fucking Kleenex or something. And I, like, fucking lost it or something. Like, I wasn't, like, I just got a little, like, yo, man, like, fuck it then. I don't need your, you know. I guess I was looking for some type of help in that moment. But I had my sister with me, too. I have a twin sister, so she was there with me. And uh, she flew back with me and all that, made sure I was good. And then coming out of that, like, next couple of days, just straight into fucking, straight into Salt Rivers every morning. <laughs> during during the rehab process, what was the, when was the hardest point you were like, you know, you mentioned questioning retirement before surgery. Yeah. After surgery, during rehab, was there any point like that? Like, hmm, I don't know. This, did you have a setback or was progress slowed up for some reason? Did you ever have any dark times during that? I, I don't. I don't think I, I. I didn't. I didn't really have many many dark times because I think I was. I mean, I was fucking in some dark places before, right? Like for me, like I think there's a lot of power in the fucking dark side, right? Like, but. You know, Tim Grover's book that I read, you know, fucking, what's that, Unstoppable? Mm -hmm. He talks about that shit a lot, which is great. I, I progressed pretty freaking good. You know, I, I, I trusted it because I've, you know how you said it's a process? 
And I've heard this throughout my career, you know, trust the process, trust the process. Okay, well, this must be the process, right? But there's, there's also a process throughout the season, right? Like everything we do, every day we come in, that's a process. You know, everything's a process, right? And if you look at it like that, right? Like, so I was just trust. I trusted the D-backs medical staff. I, I trusted Crenshaw. I trusted the work, the plan, everything. Boom. And I just kind of let it, let it roll, you know? I, I don't think it was... I think the thing that really got to me was like the when I started throwing the building up with throwing, you know, like okay, it's arm arms like feels like shit today. Next day it feels great. Feels like shit. I'm like, how does like there's no there was like not much consistency kind of like within my throwing program at times. But then there was times where I would jump up big, you know, and just keep on progressing, keep on progressing. And progressed all the way to freaking you know we made i made it i made it back last year i mean it's pretty inconsistent coming back i felt like you know i felt like my velo was there changeup wasn't where i know it can be and what it's looked like this off season for me it wasn't even nowhere near where it was during the season last year i mean i still had the feel for it and stuff i just didn't have the the depth the movement that i that i was looking for on it and i think that was just was more with now time, you know, more time removed from the surgery, kind of starting to see clearer, breathe deeper now kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know. But, uh, and it's funny because a lot of people I talked to were like, hey, second year, you know, second year coming back from it, that's your year, you know, you're, you're going to do it, you know, that's, that's when you see the most strides and things like that. So, hey, you know, if this is the second year, this is the second year, I'm excited to, you know, what's ahead and, um yeah they were always like it's going to be a roller coaster ride when you come back you know from it and it was a major roller coaster ride you know my first four outings back was freaking great and then i just you know good outing here shitty outing here shittier outing like it just there was kind of not much consistency but the arm was good the arm was right um i had no setbacks yeah um, when it was down in those inconsistently like shitty to shittier times what did you fall back to you know was it a quote a book something somebody said something that you've experienced previously i mean i think the lowest point last year was when i got dfa'd you know i'll tell you what i fell back on this is uh, not a quote or anything like that but earlier in my career 2000 2013 playing in Lancaster, California, high A, right? It's crazy that you even, you just brought me into a different area of what I'm thinking of right now too. My first four outings that year, first four starts, dealed, right? Like nasty, nasty. Like six innings, seven Ks, seven innings, eight Ks, dealing from my, my point of view, right? Like what I think. Fifth start, I can't get out of the fourth. Give up six. Oh, shit. Next start. Can't get out of the fourth, give up five. Like, I'm just getting shitted on, like, start after start after start, all the way to the, like, for like a month, maybe two months after that. And I go, you know, I go, fuck. They go, you're going back to low A. So I went from high A to low A, which was in Quad Cities, Iowa. And we're in high desert, California, playing the Mavericks, shithole. Adelanto, California, like middle of nowhere. And after the games, there was like a burger stand, like in the parking lot, like way the fuck, like 
away from the stadium, but our, our manager would be like, hey, let's go get some food there before we head back to Lancaster. It was a commuter trip. It's like an hour, 20 minutes from Adelanto to, to Lancaster. And then uh, when they called me in the office and they're like, you're going down, dude, I felt at the, I felt like alone. You know, nobody came up to me and was like, hey, you'd be okay. Like nobody fucking gave a fuck. Nobody, hey, everyone's trying to make it to the fucking big leagues, right? Like everyone's, nobody gives a shit. So I remember walking through that fucking parking lot, like low, low as fuck, right? And I had a flight the next day from LAX in the morning to Quad Cities, Iowa. And uh, what happened was when I was driving home, I had my car up there with me, I was driving home and I had this thought, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna drive this fucking car off this fucking bridge, man. Or off this fucking overpass right now. I don't give a fuck. Like, this shit's fucking hard. Baseball's fucking hard. And I didn't. I didn't do it. Somehow, something in my mind, I was like, nah, go to Iowa. Go to fucking Iowa. See what happens. Go to Iowa. This is high A to low A, right? And I take the flight to Iowa. And from, from that point on, when I got to fucking Iowa... I started working my fucking ass off, man. Like, working fucking harder. Like, I found something within me that was like, it's the next level shit you have within you, man. You have, like, some fucking drive. You have some conviction. You have, like, fucking this aggressiveness that you got to use on the fucking mound. And it helped me, too, because the pitching coach I had there was the pitching coach I had the year before. So he knew me a little bit, and he kind of got me back on track a little bit. But, yeah, I got demoted from... from uh, um, from high A to low A. And this year when I got DFA'd, I felt kind of the same way, you know? But I was like, you know what? Hey, this has happened to you before, man. You've been you've been knocked off the fucking, you've been knocked off, you know? You've been, boom, boom. It's, this is a game up and down, but stick with it, you know, keep sticking with it. Because if you keep sticking with it, you know, the doors are gonna open, you know? You keep, you, hey, you know, Eric Thomas always listened to, I wouldn't say quote, I don't know the quote exactly, but if Eric Thomas heard this, he would know what I'm talking about, right? He has that one picture of that dude that's like fucking, um, they're in a coal mine, right? And the dude's got diamonds, right? They're both, they're both like, they're both beating the coal, they're beating the coal, they're beating the coal. And on the other side's diamonds, and the dude has like two hits away, mm -hmm. and you see him walking away with his axe. And the other dude's still fucking hammering, right? He's still hammering. He's still hammering. So I'm like, hey, man, just keep on hammering it day by day. You know, keep putting in the work. Keep fucking showing up. You know, that's what you know. You know, that's what you learn throughout your life is to, to show up and put in the work. And even though it's not fucking happening for you right now the way you want it to, it's going to come. It's going to come. Believe it. You know, believe it and, and trust the process type thing. God, dude, yeah, that's, that's fucking. That's a good one, man. I that even, Cole Diamond one, I've never heard that before. But yeah, that's yeah, I, I fucking love that one. And it's and you know what's crazy about this whole thing too, when I got sent from from that uh, high A to low A, and I was in Iowa, I kind of turned it around a little bit. You know, I was having more fun off the field. You know, kind of going out more and being social and just you know experiencing life, having life because you could get so caught up in playing baseball all the time and. You know, well, I, mean, I fucking love the game. That's all I know is baseball, right? But you got to have other hobbies off the field, too. You know, I was going down by the river, walking around. We go out, have a few drinks with the boys. But at the same time, I was listening to that type of stuff, you know? 
like I stopped like listening to music for some reason. I love music, right? But I stopped listening to music for a while. And I was listening to like Les Brown, Eric Thomas, you know, all these like motivational speakers. Not not that like I feel like I need motivation, but it was just like another little like push, man. Like, hey, here's something else on top of like because I, I feel like I have that drive within me because my drive is all that shit that I feel like I went through, you know, as a kid. That's that ultimately that's what's going to keep me going no matter what. That's going to keep me going. And, uh, you know, hey, it's, it's not bad to put a little spice on things every once in a while. Just provide a little clarity, gave you a little yeah. context to the bigger picture, mm-hmm. which freed up space mentally Yeah, to just at the field dialed in and focused away from the field separate give yourself a rest context let it go yeah clarity but put everything in when you go to the field right you know 100 percent. put everything you got into it you know because if you don't put everything you got i bet that next guy is though you damn right (laughs) damn right what's what's uh one of your most memorable highlights of your big league experience Big league experience? Outside of your fake fight with Giles in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, please tell that story. Oh, Giles is – Giles, hey, for some reason, man, Giles knows how to keep it loose, you know. He, not, not for some reason. He knows how to keep it loose, you know. He's he's a great guy, man. I love Kenny. And, uh, yeah, that fake – that was in Cleveland. He's like, hey, man, you want to come, like, uh, like get these people engaged right now and act like we're fighting in the bullpen? And we just <laughs> – fucking around and people were like hey security like they're fighting like no we're not fighting you fucking idiots like, they're not yeah, idiots yeah. but paint paint that picture for us because yeah. i want to i want to hear like did he like grab you by the collar and like fucking no there's no collar no, on baseball jerseys. no it was not <laughs> that's true you're yeah, right that's it's true like, no it was not collar it was more like kind of like a i think we ended up i mean on the ground like kind of like wrestling it out kind of thing <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Dude, I, that had to have been the fucking best visual. If you're the fan sitting there, right? Like, what like, are these dudes doing? What is happening? Yeah. Fuck. Uh, Mom, why is he on top of that guy? Get off that guy! Yeah, I don't think that was. Uh, I don't think that was appropriate for the fan base. But hey, you know what? You gotta have fun sometimes. Hey, they they paid that ticket, you know. Yeah. You give them a good time. <laughs> Outside of that. Outside of that, though, like, what's what's a, a highlight that sticks out? Highlight? Or like, at the moment, you're just fucking all cheesed up, and, you know, you got the adrenaline and everything going, but you get in the clubhouse, you take your jersey off, and you're like, holy shit, that was, that was fucking badass. I, I'm, I, my mind will go straight to it, man, is uh, World Series Game 2, 2017, um, Dodger Stadium. Striking out Puig to end the game in the eleventh. Yeah, man, like three two changeup. It was like he was fouling off. Uh, he was fouling off a bunch of changeups, like maybe like four in a row, and they were shitty changeups, man. I don't, hey Puig, I don't know how you didn't get one of those, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I, but then the the one I threw was a bastard one, you know, and he, he swung over it, and I just like blacked, I blacked out, man. I like went crazy. I look at the replay of it, and I'm like doing like a fist pump with like a twirl I'm like just freaking fired up with freaking adrenaline and that was one of my one of my better moments man like just for me the overall the overall of what that meant for me being in LA I played at Dodger Stadium when I was a kid on a team called the Indy Clowns that was a bunch of misfits from 
We had me, guys from South Central, East LA, all these Mexican cats. And man, like the coach says, hey, you know, the championship game next week's at Dodger Stadium. We're 14 years old, you know, freshman in high school. Dodger Stadium, like we got freaking jacked up for that. And, you know, walking on that field at 14 years old was like walking on freaking heaven, man. It was like, mm-hmm. this is like sacred ground, you know? As yep. a kid, you're like, whoa. And uh, we were in the dugout and like, there was like a little tunnel up to the clubhouse and we like all tried to sneak in there and <laughs> the door was locked and we were like kind of disappointed. Like, mm-hmm. Fuck, man. Like, uh, so I ended up, I didn't pitch in that game at Dodger Stadium, but uh, when I was a, when I was a kid, but I hit a, I hit a double down the right field line, and man, I felt like I was floating around the bases. And then the next time, I I, I don't think I played at Dodger. Yeah, the first time I played at Dodger Stadium again was in a World Series. Wow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, game two, man, that was it was uh, electric. There it was electric. We had a fan jump in the bullpen that game. Yeah, that was pretty rowdy. Uh, he must have been in Cleveland. <laughs> he, he came following, he came following <laughs> us. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that was that was probably my moment uh, up to this point. That's yeah. a good one. It was fun. I remember Correa actually coming out to the mound. It was like, I think it was two outs. I don't know. He just mentioned this. He was like, hey, it's a moment you're not going to forget the rest of your life. And this was before that happened. And damn. I was like, damn. Like, and he was young at that time. Yeah, he said that was 17? That was in seventeen, but Correa is a freaking he's a he's a gamer, man. Like he and I and I came up with him. You know, I came up with Correa and you know, we had a little theme when we were young together, you know. I just got traded to the Astros. He was the first pick, you know. We had a little theme in the we had some words one time in the clubhouse, but after that I felt like we had total respect for each other and you know, we kinda you know, everywhere we went we kinda won, you know. He, he brings, you know, he brings a winning mentality, and it's good to have teammates like that, you know. And uh, for him to come out there like that was was pretty big, you know, being the type of player he is, you know. And, uh, yeah. Do you think he – because I remember saying, like, going to the mound once with a pitcher because it just – he wasn't himself. And, like, it may be not even anything I said because I know it wasn't as witty as that. Yeah. But – it just snapped him out of – he was so just tunnel vision almost like he kind of forgot what was happening, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Not that you forgot what was happening, but did that dial you in, just that one tick more? I think so. I think it does play It does play a, a big role at times, man. Because you, like you said, you can be so locked in, and, man, I'm so locked in, sometimes I forget about the runners, and I, I need to clean that up in my game for sure, you know, is – uh, I got a good pickoff move, but yeah, it just that little split second when you're in that zone, kind of it doesn't take you out of the zone, but it just kind of gives you a little notch down, and then you're right back, you're basically right back in it, right? Right. But it does, it does help, and that, I mean, it it takes some savviness, right? Like mm-hmm. the the right time to do it, you know, the, right? Knowing your teammates, the right guys, you know, knowing what to say too. You know, you come out there and be like, well, this guy's sitting on changeup. Like, okay, well, I don't want to fucking hear that. Right. Like, yeah. No, I want to, I want you to fucking tell me like, let's go get this motherfucker. Or like, hey, get him right here. Kill him right here. You know, right. or like, hey, this is a moment you're never going to forget. Execute it kind of thing. You know, some guys might even play well with like, hey, dude, 
So we got two down here. Runner on second. Took a leak between innings. Zipped my my balls up and my fly. It hurt like a motherfucker. Yep. Then good jog back to their position. You're like, the fuck was that all about? Yeah. I, I've but, heard, you know I've what heard I mean? that. Like, I've heard that for some guys. because that, That's a style competitor they are, right? Like, but that's knowing the teammate. Yeah. No, how to communicate exactly. with them. And, and whatever type of bond or relationship you guys have already too right like you know so yeah that shit does play and especially pitching coaches as well right you know like that shit's big man like what they come out there especially if you're in like trouble right like if you're in trouble and what they say to you and oh i need i needed that i mean i had doug brokell one time he was an ex ex uh pitching coach of mine and i loved his shit that he would give me man he'd be like i want you to write in your hat fuck you and die <laughs> and I put, on the mound no no like yeah put it write it in your hat so like underneath right but he and said this to you on the mound or in the club no he said he would say this to me um like warming up oh, or, okay you know he, he he gave me a lot of funk man he gave me a lot of fucking competitive edge right like shared a lot of shit with me and fuck you and die was one of them like hey like we talked about this one day, don't step on, don't step between the lines unless you're ready to kill somebody type shit, right? Like, hey, I'm a fucking, I'm gonna give you everything I fucking got, motherfucker. You better fucking be ready type shit. But he was, he was a fucking, he was a man, Doug Brokell. That was in Double A. That's kind of when my career started taking off, having him, because our minds kind of worked the same and they clicked, and they clicked together. And fuck, dude, fuck you and die type shit. Every time I, I think in my mind, every time I strike a motherfucker, I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. I, that, that's the thing with me. I don't, I don't feel like I express it outwardly to him. You know, I express it. I'm, I'm fucking fighting myself at times. Whatever it takes, exactly. right? Exactly. Internally, you respect the game, you respect the environment. Yeah. Uh, whatever it takes. Yeah. What can you don't have to use a pitching coach's name, but is there anything that sticks like? What's the most fucked up thing a pitching coach has said to you on the mound if they came out for a visit? Fucked up, like in a... Where it just, like, snapped you out? Like, what did he just say? Anything? Not, 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 fuck. Not that I could think of right yeah. right in this moment, no. Fuck. I had a manager one time, though, and this is how I fucking got that nickname, was he's like, uh, Unleash the fucking Dragon. Boom. Ooh, and then like he started that. riding the fucking dragon on the lineup card. Yeah, that was a fucking good one. Damn. Ronnie Linares, man, that was my dude. He'd ride fucking the dragon on the lineup card when I pitched. But I was a starter at the time. Yeah, that was a fucking good one. The yeah, fucking like dragon, that, baby. <laughs> the dragon fucking going again. Oh, he's going. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming. Wait. <clears throat> fucking. <clears throat> <laughs> so, yeah. 2017 mm-hmm. was a special season for you. Fuck yeah. What made it? What what in your preparation made it what it was? Man, if I can remember how I prepared that year, fuck, I'd prepare like that every now. Uh <laughs> You know, I was kind of on a roll for years, you know, years in it uh on a roll for a couple years. You know, 16 was First big league camp for me, non-roster invite. I ended up making the team that year. Um, I threw the national championship game the year before in AAA. I was the MVP of that game. And I was in AA all year. They called me up for the fucking playoffs. I was like, all right, cool. Shoved in El Paso. 
threw a one-hitter in seven innings. Then got the non-roster invite call, made the team, 16, fourth and rookie of the year. Um, and then I was just kind of – I had so much fucking momentum built, man, and I don't know where the hell it came from. Um, I was I, – I prepared like a madman, you know. I was – in. It, See, like, the shit I did in AA, I was doing, I was on the bus. And you can ask some of my teammates, I was on the bus doing fucking push-ups and abs on a fucking 14-hour bus ride in the back of the bus. So it was like, something in my mind was like, every rep I got to do, every rep I do gets me closer to the fucking big leagues. And I was doing that. I was like, this I need to, I need to do this amount of reps, right? I was this rep. Okay, I could feel myself getting closer to the big leagues. I could feel myself getting closer to the big leagues. Like it was fucking tripping. That's fucking awesome. And I was doing that. I was and fucking we'd get we'd get off the bus. I got a truck stop. I'd run a couple laps around the bus or fucking do some push ups. And I was jump roping in between innings. And I was fucking it all that built like I don't know, man. I was in a fucking zone in my mind. Like I was fucking fearless when I'd pitch. Like I'm I'm I still fucking am. Like I'll just fucking attack guys with as much aggressiveness that I can and I feel all those reps were building like this aggressiveness, this fire, this fire, this fire, this fire, and it just kept, you know, it kept rolling. In 17, I prepared like, you know, any other season. You know, all my work in the off season, fucking, you know, I was, it was in San Diego. I, I, I believe it was in San Diego. It was like one of the last years, last couple of years I was in San Diego. And just, yeah, it kind of all just came together. You know, all that work kind of just came together. And, uh, yeah, fucking crazy year 17 it's like the zone you can't when it, you're in the zone you can't explain it yeah. it just is what it is it's the accumulated the aggregate of mm -hmm. everything from skateboarding down to get the bread for the ham sandwiches right yeah. all the way on through to getting demoted to low a uh coming back from that coach brocale telling you to write stuff in the hat accumulate 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 yeah Take what take what works, discard what doesn't, and it that was just like, at the time the pinnacle of that. Yeah. Now still more to come because like you said at the beginning of this, like you you don't you didn't your goal wasn't to get to the big leagues, right? No. Your goal is to get to the big leagues, stay in the big leagues, have a long productive career, mm -hmm. have an impact on the field, to make an impact off the field, and help the guys like you when you were younger. In one way, shape, or form, if you shake a kid's hand and you say, hey, bro, what's going on on your way out to the pen or whatever it is, walking out to the, the bus to go get on the charter, what? those little things are things that stick with kids forever. Yeah. It could be just a, hey, what's up, bro? You, you pat him on the back. He's like, holy shit, right? Those little things. Yeah, like the, the dude from Long Beach State that gave me the ball. You know, that, that, the, the, there you go. Brought up the dirt bag comment. It was like, I, I'll never forget that, man. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll never forget too. This was even great. And this was from a major leaguer himself was Eric Carlos at the time when he was with the Dodgers, they had a thing at a finish line in Cerritos mall. And I was in little league. And I remember I got fucking wristbands from him, dude. Like he asked a trivia question. I forgot what the trivia question was. Like who led the home, who led the league in home runs last year or something. I knew the fucking answer. Somehow I knew the fucking answer. Right? I didn't know the answers in school, but I knew. Because he loved power hitters, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was like, I was like, hey, Ken Griffey. He's like, yeah, you're right. Threw me the fucking wristbands, dude. And I got a picture with him. You know, little shit like that. So hopefully at the end of the day, 
and as I continue to go on this journey I'm on, like that I have touched kids' lives like that. And I do make a conscious effort to at times. Not not at times, but you know, like when the time presents itself, right? Like yeah, or you, you gotta but you gotta go out of your way for them too at times. Uh, as a baseball player, I feel like you have to. Because they're coming there. He might be sitting there the whole game. And I, when I throw a ball to a kid, I look for the kid that's, now, hey, give me a ball, give me a ball. I, I just, I don't do it that way, right? Because I was that kid that was sitting there minding my own business, and the guy comes by, and he goes, hey, here's a ball, dude. And I was like, oh, I put that ball in a sock, and I put it, <laughs> I carried it with me everywhere I went, you know? And that was, you know, and that, that touched my life. And that, who knows, that might have fucking kept me away out of fucking doing what some of my homies did when I was younger, right? Like, or, you know, thank you. You know, if I knew his name, I would I would thank him too, you know? Like, wow. So, and that's the theme with being a, a big league baseball player. You got the platform to do it, you know? Do it, man. Take advantage. Take it. Take I advantage. Mean, and, and Jackie Robinson said it, man. Like, well, I, I don't know the exact quote, and I really should, and I'm probably going to kick my ass for not knowing it, but it's like, I'm not even going to go into the quote because I'm going to butcher it from a just impact someone's life, you know, yeah. impact someone's life in a positive way. Like, and sometimes it's not even, you know, and sometimes you don't even know you're doing it and you're doing it. You're impacting somebody's right. Like very true. You guys don't like, like we said yesterday, three to five years could happen in three to five years. You know, this whole conversation can impact my life in a positive way. You know, you just, you just don't know. It's impacted me in a positive way. I'll tell you that, you know, so it's like, uh, there's a, there's a lot of time like when I'm going through the shit in my life though on the downside like I gotta go through that shit fully right like that Tommy I, I'm in the fuck I gotta go through it but then I I come out of it mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm would you say I don't want to call my you know I I'm a spark a little brighter maybe you know yeah than where I was you know I thought I I was pretty bright in seventeen and I got a little brighter now you know just because that fucking shit like 50 cents said right like ain't no sunshine without the rain baby mm-hmm. you know so so i think that's a perfect spot to wrap things up on mm-hmm. let me ask you one last question okay. what would you tell 18 year old devo right now 18 year old devo I love you. That's at the root of everything good, right? I don't want to answer for you. I'm just saying. 18-year-old Devo. I'll say I'm proud of you, man. Proud of you, dude. Damn. That's a good one. Yeah. I love it. I respect. I respect the stories. I respect how you're a, you're, you're a student of the game, not only in the craft, but in the history, right? Um, I mean, so many good things, dog. And I'll, I'll tell you, one, thank you again. Two, I respect what you do. Three, I guarantee you it's a brighter. It's brighter. I guarantee you. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Appreciate it. I, I appreciate you guys' time, man, and your dedication, Lando included, bro. You know, like, 
I feel like everything happens for a reason, man. And and to be here right now in this moment talking like this, man, is like that's pretty freaking cool, bro. Like it's it's, I, it's look, pretty cool. You know, the three of us, I don't know how they feel, but I know for me we're a package deal at this point. You know, you never stop trying to build a team around you. You guys and your commitment to what and putting your trust in us means the world, right? And you know, I tell guys before they leave, like, I'm not the best at text messaging, DMing during the season, shit like that. I figure you guys got enough to deal with. You know, you can hit us up at any time. But I guarantee you, we are fucking there every fucking step of the way. And you always got it. Like I said, you got the number. If you need something, I don't care what the fuck it is. Yeah. If Dom doesn't answer, dog. I'll let your boy. Yeah, hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'll let your boy, baby. Yeah. So I respect it. Much, much love and respect. Thank you. And at the root of everything, good is love, homie. Love, dog. There's a, there's a lot of respect for you from from our end. You know, uh, from the moment you walked in uh, with the flannel <laughs> and the fucking, the fucking walk. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fucking swag. On, that's a you pen know walk I mean? for sure. That's fucking, that's a pen, pimp, whatever you want to call it. Pan, panned. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But from that moment on, you had our respect. Uh, nobody wanted to fuck with you. So uh, that's, uh, you got that nailed down. <laughs> but uh, no, in all honesty, like you are the, the, kind of guy that we want to work with you know not about the flash you know not about the bags the the this or that like you you come in and you're fucking early as fuck and you're fucking ready to fucking work yeah and you'll even call us out when we're dragging ass a little bit shit (laughs) no but that's perfect we want that you know what I mean but it's it's the the transparency in it. It's the trust, like you like you mentioned early on. You got to trust a lot of people with the rehab process, and like Chip said, you know, trusting us that fucking means the world to us, and we don't take it for granted at all. Like we we appreciate every one of you guys that comes in here, and and know you could be anywhere else in the world, literally, but you're here with us. Fuck yeah, dude. So thank you. It's a wrap, you dirty dogs. Thank you so much for joining us 
in our first ever Outliers podcast. If you can do us a favor, like, subscribe, follow, whatever platform you're using. If you can do that for us, we will continue to provide great value with a lot of the athletes that we get to work with. We just need your help on spreading the word, honestly, because we're just trying to do a good thing. We're just fucking two dads. Wait, I'm not, we're not fucking two dads. That's fucking.